Life Podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. Glad to have you with us. Yes, I wish it were more pleasant, which it would be if Ohio State had won on Saturday. We'll get to the Buckeyes' four-game losing streak to end the regular season, the Big Ten tournament coming up, and a few other things on the sports side and a faith segment today that I think is extremely important and in which I thank one of our listeners who's uh, really done an awesome thing for me and... um, I think it's going to drive a lot of our faith discussions going forward. So thank you for joining. Appreciate it. Uh, Those of you who listen um, in the aftermath of the change in the format of the podcast from a tandem collaboration between Chris Spielman and I to now me handling it most of the time on my own, I do appreciate that very much. And um, your loyalty means a lot to me. Your time means a lot to me. And I endeavor to keep you uh, informed, entertained, and enlightened. That's what I try to do. The podcast is supported by some really fine sponsors. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is one of them. They have been our original sponsor, longest running, and we really appreciate them. Although all of our sponsors are loyal, I'm holding up the the Bourbon Barrel Coffee, which comes from Indonesia. They roll it around their hallways at their facility in Mechanicsburg in an actual bourbon barrel. The beans then roast them so they're infused with that bourbon flavor. But they have many different flavored coffees and many awesome coffees. You can get it in uh, roast whole bean, K-cup, however you like it. Always remember, use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. You get 15% off, and we appreciate that offer from Hemisphere very much. Hunter's Blend, House Blend, Chris's personal favorite, Jamaica Me Crazy, Java Blues, lots of different flavors, lots of different coffee. They buy their beans direct from growers around the country. This is the first time you've heard about Hemisphere. They buy their beans direct from growers around the world. I said country, no, world. Indonesia, Ethiopia, Nicaragua, uh, Thailand, places like that. So you get great coffee, and they support people in those local environments. It's a great way to do ministry. They refer to it as BAM, Business and Ministry. It's just a great company, so please support HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com and use that promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps to get your 15% off. Speaking of 15% discounts, my friends at CBD Health Collection, makers of the Spielman CBD brand, Rick, Ashley, all the fine folks at CBD Health Collection in Granville will do the same for you. So... Um, inflammation, pain, pet pain, you know, your pets are getting old and creaky like our one dog is, uh, CBD health collection, great products. I love the warming gel and the freeze gel, both great, uh, roll-ons or salves, sunscreens, check them out on the web and browse their website to get informed, cbdhealthcollection.com. And also use the promo code Bruce to get 15% off at cbdhealthcollection.com. Their CBD is great. I can tell you why it's sometimes higher priced than others because it's higher quality and because they take the CBD out in a costlier way but a safer way for your body. So cbdhealthcollection.com, retail store in Granville. If you're there, mention the name Bruce Hooley. You get 15% off, and you can use that promo code Bruce. Okay, to the basketball, yikes. Uh, Buckeyes need some CBD health collection to uh, reduce the inflammation of a four-game losing streak to end the regular season. I'm still not pressing the panic button, primarily because I believe in the coach. And I also believe this is a determined team, an experienced team. And I think this team has shown not just this season. Well, actually, it hasn't shown it this season, but I believe it's going to show it. In past seasons under Chris Holtman, when Ohio State has had a prolonged losing streak, and they had them each of the last two years, they have bounced back in a big way. Now, 
those losing streaks came in January and not in March and February. So this is a little bit different situation, but it also is, to me, a more excusable or forgivable, if you will, situation because the teams they've been losing to are really good teams. And the Michigan State game, which is not a great team, but they did beat Michigan on Saturday or Sunday, that game was a game Sparty had to have to get in the tournament, and Ohio State didn't have Kyle Young. So when you look at them individually, is it a disgrace to lose to Michigan? No, because you were four and they were three, and it was a great game and it was close. Is it a disgrace to lose at Michigan State? No, the only disgrace there was the officiating and the fact that you know Ohio State didn't finish well, but they had a shot at the end to tie it and just didn't make the shot. Is it a disgrace to lose to Iowa? Well, sure, you wouldn't want to lose to Iowa by 16, but that was just, you could see that coming a mile away. Iowa's playing really well. Ohio State's got two in a row. Kyle Young wasn't himself, even though he came back. Iowa played, I think, its best game of the year. Ohio State played its worst game of the year. That happens. And then Saturday against Illinois. Okay, so Saturday against Illinois, if you're going to lose a game heading into the postseason, I think this is possibly a useful way for Ohio State to lose because they should come out of this game really mad at themselves for blowing a 68-64 to lead in the last 320, and it was actually worse than that because they had the lead and the ball and repeated shots, I think three opportunities to pad that lead, and they did not. So I'm going to talk through what I saw watching this on Saturday. And we might as well just pick the game up from 50 to 50, about 10 minutes to go in the game. Illinois, as I told you, has better players than Ohio State. They just do. Ohio State doesn't have a player who occupies the attention that Kofi Coburn occupies. And Ohio State doesn't have a player who's as dynamic and difficult to guard as Ayu DeSumo. Ayu DeSumo can get to the basket against pretty much anybody. And he did on Saturday. Ayo DeSumo is a really, really outstanding player. Kofi Coburn's just a large human being. All right, so for Ohio State to come back from the deficit that was present from the very beginning of this game to battle to a 50-50 tie, given Ohio State, it has limitations. It just does. Uh, now, let me say overall about this game, you can't allow Andre Curbelo to score whatever he had, 17 or 18. I mean, come on, that's inexcusable. Now, he gets that because of Coburn and DeSumo. You have to spend so much time on those guys that you don't really worry about Curbelo. But 17 or 18? No. No. Ridiculous. Okay. So, if you notice from the 10-minute mark to the end of the game, Illinois either got to the basket almost every possession or got to the free throw line almost every possession. You cannot, when you're trying to beat a team as good as Illinois, a legitimate number three in the country, you cannot continue to give them easy opportunities to score. And a huge foul in the game was C.J. Walker's fourth foul with nine-something to go. Ohio State needs C.J. Walker on the floor to direct the offense and get good shots. And once C.J. Walker left the game, Ohio State continued to score, but it was some fool's gold in there. 
I like the Liddell touches in the post and drawing a fourth foul on Kofi Coburn, but they settled because they were making threes. EJ Liddell making two threes to give you a 68-64 lead, in my opinion, is fool's gold because it's not going to be there when you need it to be there. And in fact, it wasn't there when they needed it to be there because they fell in love with the three and they're jacking up threes instead of taking their time. They're ahead and they're shooting quick shots that aren't necessarily great shots. Are they shots they can make? Sure, Justin Arns can make threes. Dwayne Washington can make threes. But are they the best look you can get on that possession? I don't think so. I think you want to get the ball worked around. Now, I don't want you to take 30 seconds off the clock every time and get into a shot clock violation, but could we get a shot after 15 to 20 seconds instead of in the first 5 to 10? I think we could. Now, the reason that's a problem is because it's a recurring issue with this team. If you think back on their losses to Michigan State, Purdue, Northwestern, what is the con- and this one, what's the common thread? They have a lead and they don't steward the lead smartly. They settle for shots and they allow the other team to sort of dictate I mean, if you're Illinois, you want Ohio State shooting those shots? I think you do. I know at Northwestern, they fell in love with the three, and their lead evaporates against Purdue. They fell in love with the three. They shot more threes than twos. So, I mean, at some point, you either learn the lesson or you get burned by the lesson. Learn it or burn it. Get burned by it. And they've been burned by it enough. So they should go into the Big Ten tournament Thursday around 2 p.m. pretty PO'd about losing that game to Illinois and pretty motivated to play. Now they're going to have to be motivated to play because they're going to get either Northwestern or Minnesota on Thursday, both of which beat them. Minnesota, which destroyed them. Now they did not get Minnesota at home, but what did I say last week? Minnesota is a terrible matchup for Ohio State. It just is a terrible matchup. Liam Robbins destroyed Ohio State at Minneapolis. 28 points, double-figure rebounds. Dude's a transfer from, I don't know, Dartmouth or someplace. He had a bigger game against them than Garza, than Coburn, or or even Hunter Dickinson. Liam Robbins, and they all had good games against Ohio State recently, but... Liam Robbins had the best game against Ohio State all year, so they're going to have to deal with him and Marcus Carr. And Minnesota has been in the tank lately. How Richard Pitino has his job nine or ten years in, I have no idea. He's a chronic underachiever. But they play Ohio State really well. The ghost of Bill Musselman and Dave Winfield and Ron Behagen from 1971. Look it up. It's in the history books. The brawl at Minneapolis. Um, So I've... Not had fond feelings for Gopher basketball ever since that ambush that ruined Fred Taylor's final years at Ohio State, because Fred allowed it to, by the way. So anyway, uh, I hate the matchup with Minnesota. And it wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota beat them, but Ohio State, this is the point where you got to set your foot in the ground and say, all right, enough. Enough of this garbage. You can look at it like you got a tough draw because, oh, holy crap, we got to play Northwestern, Minnesota, and then Purdue, and those three teams all beat us like four times. Or you can say, hey, 
we get to play three teams that beat us and show we're better. And we can get to the Big Ten quarterfinals, Big Ten semifinals, rather, with teams that we're better than on the record you know, side of the ledger. So that's how they better look at it. That's how they better play. And if they get to Saturday's semifinals against Michigan or Michigan State, Michigan State plays Maryland, and I assume, well, I don't know. That's a pretty even game. Uh, but I think Michigan State would have a better chance to beat Michigan than Maryland would. Uh, hopefully you get lucky and Michigan State beats Maryland. You beat the Minnesota Northwestern winner. You beat Purdue. And all you have to do to get to the Big Ten Finals is beat Michigan State. And you ought to have a payback ready for them. Then you get Iowa or Illinois. Can Ohio State beat either one of those teams? Of course. They split with them. So I don't really think it's great for Ohio State to play four games in four days. But it would be great to get to the semis on Saturday. The only stinky part of that is you'd either lose to Michigan or Michigan State. Uh, or whiny Mark Turgeon at Maryland. But long term, it might be better to play three and three days than four and four days. Let's make sure we win two and two days is all I got to say about that. You got to take better shots when you have the game under control. Okay, I think if there's one thing Chris Holtman would like to change from Saturday, obviously the result, but one tactical thing, I would I didn't get to talk to Chris after the game Saturday because I was busy covering four high school games in Dayton for PressProsMagazine.com. I think Chris might be the only thing he might be second guessing on Saturday was leaving CJ Walker on the bench so long with four fouls. I think at the four minute mark, you want to get CJ back in the game. They didn't get him back in until about the two minute mark, until the game was tied. Uh, that's one that I would be uh, looking at hard. So it's, uh, it's an L. Uh, they have an opportunity in the Big Ten tournament to atone. They have a big t- an opportunity in the Big Ten tournament to rebuild their case to an unimpeachable level for a number two seed. Uh, at this point in time, I think we'll see where they fall on the AP Top 25 today. Um, I think it's not great to be six and four in your last ten. And it'd be disastrous to be five and five in your last ten. Uh, so I think you need to win one for sure. If you want to be a two, you got to win one. If you want to guarantee yourself a two, you got to win two. And if you don't care and you want to be a three, then lose the opener, go home and rest. But that would stink to go into the NCAA tournament on a five-game losing streak because this team's done really well. It's been a really good year. Justice suing, I got hope for him. He was nice on Saturday. EJ was nice, not there in the first half, but nice in the second. It'll be interesting to see how Dwayne Washington bounces back from this game. Dwayne was pretty bothered at the end of the game because he really wants to win for his teammates uh, and his seniors, and Dwayne had some opportunities Saturday late and missed some shots and took some bad shots. That's part of the package with Dwayne Washington. It's part of the growth process. So we might see a really motivated Dwayne Washington in Indianapolis. Okay. Uh, Let me remind you that uh, we are in open enrollment. It's getting away, though. Don't waste your time. Health insurance checkup, good time to do it, auiinfo.com. Let them do it for you. They're the experts. They are health insurance brokers. 
They can put together a great benefit package for your business anytime, but for you individuals, your window's closing for the second time in three months on open enrollment. Joe Biden's executive order reopened it here in February. Typically, you don't think about changing your health insurance until December, but Joe Biden executive order reopens it. So healthcare.gov, if you look at it online and go, oh, crap, I don't know what I'm looking at here. Well, none of us do, except the people at auinfo.com. So let auinfo.com examine that for you, look at your benefits, tell you what you're paying, tell you if you have the right copay, doctor, hospital, all that, auinfo.com. And for businesses, they offer real-time free HR. That's huge. Saves you a bunch of money, saves you getting in a jackpot with Mike DeWine's compliance orders and all the stuff in the state. So auinfo.com, a great resource. Go there. You can take care of whatever you need to take care of just via typing into their chat or on a Zoom call, phone call, or an in-person meeting, whatever you desire. Okay, so Big Ten Tournament starts on Thursday, actually starts on Wednesday with the dregs of uh, the league, uh, two games on Wednesday. Northwestern and Minnesota is the one to watch. Ohio State will play uh, Thursday around 2 p.m., and then if they that'll be uh, if they win that game they'll advance to play Purdue. Purdue got the fourth seed. Ohio State got the fifth seed, and so you don't get the double buy. I don't really love the double buy. Uh, I don't think you need the double buy. I think uh, you want to play on the second day uh, unless you're like a super team. And Ohio State's not a super team, but they can be a really good team. And their postseason will depend entirely on the kind of draw they get. Any team that has a big man, any team that has a lot of um, guys who can switch on defense is not ideal for Ohio State because Ohio State likes to get mismatches with EJ Liddell, with Justice Suing. And any team that is not great guarding would be nice for Ohio State to get because that would get Justin Arns some free shots and rebuild his confidence, which I'm sure is a little bit uh, damaged in the way that he has finished the season. Um, okay, so let's talk about uh, Ohio State baseball for a second. Not huge, but I just want to remind you, you're listening to this podcast, you're probably an Ohio State fan, and Ohio State baseball is not, you know, uh, a, a sport that really occupies people's attention, much like Ohio State basketball or Ohio State football. I just want to let you know, uh, there is a site that covers Ohio State baseball, like Ohio State football and in basketball are covered by a bunch of sites. And that site is the site that I work for, PressProsMagazine.com. Uh, we were the only you know entity from Columbus that bothered to travel to South Carolina for the Buckeyes opener uh, four-game series against Illinois. Ohio State took three out of four. And Ohio State has some big-time arms on this team. Greg Beal's done a nice job recruiting. So if you're interested in Ohio State baseball, and some of you are, uh, you can read a lot about the players and a lot about the games at PressProsMagazine.com. Also a great site if you want to follow high school sports, particularly if you're from western Ohio. That's our strength, but we are expanding into the central Ohio area because we've added Steve Blackledge, longtime Columbus Dispatch prep sports writer, to our arsenal of writers. Blackie covered the Worthington Christian Harvest Prep game. He covered Westerville Central. And who did the Warhawks play on Saturday? Oh, they played Pick North. And uh, Blackie will be covering uh, the D1 games at Ohio Dominican this week for PressProsMagazine.com. So we're going to be covering the high school state tournaments, girls, boys, and uh, just bookmark that site if you would, PressProsMagazine.com. It's a great site, and we cover it like you wish you were covered when you were in high school. We give it like the Sports Illustrated treatment back when Sports Illustrated wasn't a woke, uh, crappy, uh, um, bastardized uh, relative of what it used to be. We cover games like 
you know, as I did back in the heyday of Frank DeFord and Curry Kirkpatrick. All right. So I had fun covering high school games on Saturday. It's cool. Here's, you know, listen, true confession. I love America. It's cool for me to stand in a gym with people putting their hand over their heart for the national anthem. It's cool for me to cover high school kids who are so appreciative of the coverage. It's cool for me to cover small communities and see how they invest in young people and to recapture that youthful enthusiasm that I remember so well from my growing up years, watching my high school play in the tournaments or uh, being a high school athlete myself and being fortunate enough to be on a couple state championship teams. So um, if Spiels would hear, he would go, oh, yeah, double state champion. So, so high school sports is awesome. It just is. And I'm so happy to be a part of it. You know, when you start out in journalism, you start out like, oh, I want to cover the pros or I want to be a baseball writer or I want to cover big time college. And that's fun, too. But it's just been fun for me here um, lately to reengage with high school sports and uh now we're getting fans back in the buildings, and it's just so much fun to watch kids work hard, achieve. I believe so much in the intangible benefits of sports. I believe in understanding delayed gratification. You work hard, you reap the benefits down the road. I believe in the benefits of sowing and reaping. You put in a lot of practice, you sacrifice for others, you tend to get that back in your team achieving. I believe in leadership, so I believe in coaches who invest in young people and administrators who are able to identify great leaders who can be boots on the ground with high school athletes. So I believe high school, athlete, uh, high school athletics offers a ton of great things that provide foundational values that have allowed our country to be a great country. And we are not as great as we used to be because there are some threats out there, which I'll get into in the faith portion of the podcast. But I'm a big fan of high school sports, and I'm so happy that um, COVID-19 has uh, backed down in numbers to where we are way ahead of where we were a year ago when we were operating in the unknown, and we just canceled everything. Think how heartbreaking this was. Last year, um, the state of Ohio called off its high school season when the boys were in the regionals and the girls were in the state tournament, two teams that PressProsMagazine.com covers, Minster and Fort Laramie, both girls' teams last year were undefeated. I believe I'm correct on that. They were literally on their way to Columbus for the state semifinals. They were going to play other teams. Minster and Fort Laramie are like five miles apart. But they were in different regionals last year for some odd reason. They were looking forward to winning their semis and playing each other in a state championship game. Minster had won the previous two state championships. Fort Loramie's won like, I don't know, four, three, four state championships over the years in girls basketball. Fort Loramie's team was eating lunch at Culver's Restaurant in Marysville when the text came across the coach's phone, Carla Siegel, that the tournament had been called off by the governor. Think how heartbreaking that is. So I'm thrilled that Fort Loramie has made it back to the state semifinals and that we're going to have state champions crowned this weekend in girls, and we're going to play boys' regional tournaments around the state. And um, as a high school athlete, you know, winning a state championship, I always remember being a little kid 
going down to our high school gym in Salem Township between West Liberty and Urbana. And in that trophy case was the 1960 high school state championship, a basketball, won by Salem Township. And it had the net on the trophy. And I was not, I was not born then. But I remember being captivated by looking at that state championship trophy every time I went to that gym for a high school game. And it built into me a desire to win a state championship. Um, now, I wasn't the mainstay on our team. I was, I was good. I was a contributor. But to be able to have a dream and to work to achieve the dream and to have a coach draw out of us guys the ability to approach that dream and then to achieve that dream was really a foundational experience in my life. And 40 years later, it is still the memories fresh in my mind, but I think the values that I learned doing that have been beneficial for me in all sorts of ways. So I, um, I really esteem high school sports and the people who invest in kids. And so I'm thrilled for the kids around the state of Ohio that they can seek a state championship this week. And, um, and it's fun to be able to watch it and cover it and be a part of it. So uh, that's my thoughts on the high school tournament. Uh, before we transition into the faith portion of the podcast, I wanted to remind you that the attorney firm you need to remember is Willis Spangler Starling. Willis Spangler Starling is located in Hilliard. They are uh, willing to give you a free consultation. And uh, they also offer the opportunity, if you have a legal question or two, send them to me uh, via the email from my radio show, bruce at 9890answer.com, bruce at 9890answer.com. And uh, you can get your legal questions answered Friday at 6 p.m. So I will ask Stan Willis or one of his partners the questions you send in. We already have a couple questions for next week. And so we're looking forward to that. Uh, but Willis Spangler Starling, workers' compensation, employment law, if you feel like your uh, rights have been violated in your work environment, personal injury, you're in an accident, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, somebody's uh, done something that results in you being injured. Uh, wills and estate planning, probate. Man, don't let the state take your money, your mom and dad's money. Make sure you have wills, estates, all that buttoned up. Um, and workers' compensation, which is a fertile field for all kinds of law. Willis Spangler Starling specializes in all those. They're online at willisattorneys.com, W-I-L-L-I-S, willisattorneys.com. And their Twitter site where you can follow them and really learn more about them with their core values and the way they practice law is at, at Spangler Willis, at Spangler Willis. That's Twitter, but their website is willisattorneys.com. Okay, so let me put up the... Uh, it's not a disclaimer, it's just an advisory that this is the faith portion of the podcast. I want to thank a listener to the podcast. His name is George, and George is an, a very loyal listener to the podcast, and he's gone beyond that to where he has sent uh, to me uh, several nice um, letters, uh, one of which has a, uh, had a really cool cross in it that has an American flag on the cross, which I wear, um, and this past weekend, George sent me a couple books, uh, one of which I'm reading now, and one of which has been uh, really, really uh, great for me to read. Uh, the name of the book is We Will Not Be Silenced. It is by a pastor at Moody Bible Church in Chicago named Erwin Lutzer. 
So you guys know I do a radio show at 98.9 The Answer, and that show delves uh, far more into news than it does to sports or than it does to faith. I am free to mix my faith in, but I'm always cognizant of the fact that on that radio show, it is not uh, an overtly Christian station. It is owned by a Christian company, Salem Media. We have a Christian station in our uh, media group. That's 880 AM. And my show, I am certainly free to share my faith or to disclose that I view life through the prism of my faith, but I also understand that I have a lot of listeners to the show who are not um, as invested in their faith as I am. So I try to trod that line between doing what Chris and Stephanie uh, talked about during Steph's cancer battle, expose my faith to anyone but not impose it on anyone. Now here on the podcast, Chris and I have never made it a secret that we are going to speak very plainly and very transparently about our faith at the end of the podcast during the faith portion of the podcast. And so that's what I'm going to do now. But I've endeavored to kind of try to keep the politics and the faith separate, because I would certainly assume that there are people who listen to this podcast who do not share my political views. And that's great. I appreciate that. So I've tried to not get deep into politics on the podcast because, you know, I want everybody to listen. Uh, we all can agree to keep the conversation in the lane of sports or to keep it in the lane of faith. And if we avoid the politics, then nobody gets mad. Nobody goes away mad. But I do think we're at a point in the country where it's becoming increasingly difficult for me to do what I feel Jesus calls all authentic believers to do, which is engage with the culture and offer the um, solutions to all of life's struggles are found in the Holy Scriptures, the Bible. The Bible to me is inerrant, which means no mistakes, inerrant truth. The Bible is an amazing book in that it was written many centuries ago, but it was written by men inspired by God. I believe they had God's divine hand on them, um, gifting them with the ability to write truth. The only thing I can equate that to, and I certainly don't mean to completely equate it, but when I wrote... um, the book about Chris and Steph's life. That's why I'm here, the Chris and Stephanie Spielman story. I spent a lot of time praying about that book because I wanted it to achieve two goals. I wanted it to perfectly relate what Chris and Stephanie were going through to be an encouragement and perhaps a guidebook to other people going through a breast cancer battle. I also wanted it to be an accurate portrayal of how amazingly impactful Chris and Stephanie were so that Macy and Audrey, Chris and Steph's two youngest daughters, would have a historical record of the enormous impact their mom and dad made on the world. Both Mace and Audrey were really young when Chris and Steph were going through that uh, battle, and 
I have a few memories of my life from under 10 years old, but I don't have the same memories, the same multiplicity of memories from those years of my life that I have from my teenage years or beyond my teenage years. So I wanted it to serve people who have breast cancer and be inspired, and I wanted it to be done so that Mason Audrey could really see what they may not remember or their dad and mom may have, out of love, shielded them from. In the course of writing that book, I go back and I look at it from time to time, and I think, wow, I, and I don't mean this like I did a great job. I mean it like, wow, God was very good to me at that time, giving me the ability to write things that I just know did not come from just my own strength and abilities. I bring that up so that I can explain the scriptures as something where the people who wrote it, Moses, Paul, the apostles, others, I believe they were divinely inspired by God. And they, the result is a book that, though it was written centuries ago, millennia ago, still is a living, breathing document today that speaks biblical truth to the hearts of believers. Okay, so I say all that because I believe the Bible is still infallible, clear, unmistakable, bold direction for those of us who have claimed the grace of God through Jesus at the cross. And we are not supposed to hide our light under a lamp, under a, a bowl. We are to let our light shine in the world. The Great Commission, the final words of Jesus is, were, go into all the world, teaching them to obey my commandments, making disciples, teaching them to obey my commandments. We are to share the amazing grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the fellowship we have with God, which we gain through what Jesus did at the cross on our behalf, atoning for sins that we commit, past, present, future, in our minds, ones we only know about, no one else knows about, the attitudes and things we think but don't say. I think I've covered that many times on the podcast, how that transaction works. It's Jesus' perfection, not our own. Okay, so we're in a culture now in this country where scriptural truth is under attack um, in our culture. And it is portrayed as loving, inclusive, equality, compassion. You know the buzzwords, right? Okay. I will say that I do think some of the people putting forth that agenda do so from pure motives. I really do. I think some of the people who do that do so from pure motives. I think they do it from pure motives, but I will tell you that I believe strongly that they do it with no direction from God and thus no wisdom no wisdom. They do it with zeal. They do it with enthusiasm. They do it with great commitment. 
a greater commitment than I see Christians at large engaging with the world, but they do it without wisdom. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says, and I just told you that I believe strongly the Bible is inerrant, infallible truth. The Bible says the fear of the Lord, esteeming God, not fear like, ah, I'm terrified, but esteeming God, placing God above yourself, submitting to God, is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and discipline. That is in Proverbs 1. So you cannot have wisdom if you do not have knowledge. You cannot have knowledge if you do not fear the Lord, if you do not esteem the Lord. The people who advocate for immorality, and that includes sex outside of marriage, heterosexual sex outside of marriage. It's easy to sit here when you're not tempted by same-sex attraction and bang on the evils of homosexuality. I've never been tempted by same-sex attraction. I've been tempted a lot by different sex attraction. I love, (laughs) through my life, I'm an appreciator of beauty, okay? Most guys who are straight are. That is always a battle for guys, if in their mind, if not in you know their behavior. So I understand attraction. Okay, so I'm not trying to say one is worse than the other because they're not. One is not worse than the other, but they're both wrong. Transgenderism, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage, pornography, all types of immorality, all types of sexual sin. That's where I think most humans are vulnerable. And we are seeing in our culture a glorification of this and an extrapolation of this down to our youngest children. So I said that I think that a lot of these people have pure motives. I want to tell you about a couple people in Upper Arlington. I got a text this week from a friend who was relaying a text to him from another friend of a third-grade class at Upper Arlington where a teacher read a book to third-graders, How to Become Transgender. Okay, now this book, I believe, is probably in the library at that school because these kinds of books are circulating in libraries around central Ohio, school libraries. Why are they circulating in libraries around central Ohio? Because... There is an organization called the Harper's Corner Foundation, a nonprofit group that donates books about diversity and inclusion to Central Ohio elementary schools. This was started by an Upper Arlington resident. There's no need to give her name because I don't want any of you to respond to her in a hateful way. She is the mother of a biracial child. Good for you if you adopted her. Awesome. Fantastic. Good for you if that's the result of you marrying a African-American man, or if you're African-American, you marry whatever, that's fine, that's cool. You love each other, great. You're faithful to each other, that's great. She was concerned about issues of identity and inclusion her five-year-old daughter might face. She said, with the Black Lives Matter protests happening, I started to take a deeper look and think about what I might be able to do to help have a positive impact. So I said, their motives are pure. 
She began to think about the importance of providing elementary-aged children with books that reflect a less homogeneous view of the world. Her quote, it's important for a child to see themselves reflected in the books they read. I see nothing wrong with that comment at all. Inspired by a Facebook post about a person in Boston who had donated books about diversity and inclusion to schools in there, she decided to try something similar. She posted a Facebook message setting a goal of donating 1,000 books to elementary schools in central Ohio. Within five days, she had received about $9,000 in donations of money and books. She recruited a co-worker, and they have donated books. Okay, I'm getting right to the end of this. I just wanted to give you an, an indication of their commitment and their investment. They, got a, they, they started a foundation that raised $30,000. They got a $5,000 grant from a national nonprofit. They provided books to a local bookstore in Upper Arlington. And that bookstore has worked with them to get books into libraries in the Upper Arlington, Bexley, Grandview Heights, Jonathan Alder, right where I live, Worthington, and elementary schools in Groveport, Madison. More than 6,000 books are scheduled to be donated. Southwestern schools, Gahanna, Whitehall, Reynoldsburg, Columbus City Schools. Three more districts have expressed interest. And here is the most chilling sentence in this story. Little or no opposition has been voiced about placing books that address ethnicity and race, LGBTQ, and gender. Okay, now I want to be careful to articulate exactly why that sentence is extremely bothersome and convicting. We as Christians are called to do what in Ephesians 6.10? Stand for truth. Paul says, put on the armor of God, full armor of God, belt of truth, take up the sword of the Holy Spirit, shield of faith, and then we are to stand. He doesn't say we're supposed to go out, send hateful Facebook posts, um, attack this woman personally, but we are to stand for truth. She is standing for what she believes in. I believe she's standing for destructive tendencies out of a good heart. I don't dispute that. She loves her daughter or son or whatever, her child, and she's trying to make life better for that child by, by this endeavor that I think Satan's in the middle of and encouraging her and goading her and prospering her $30,000. Where are we? Where are we who believe she's doing what she thinks is important? We are to stand for truth, okay? For the truth of God, for the truth of his grace at the cross through Christ, for the truth of the fact that we are all created in the image of God, for the truth that God made us male and female. He did not make us homosexual. He did not make us male and make a mistake that we should be female, so we should be a transgender girl. Or he did not make a mistake that we were born a girl, but we should be a boy, so we are now a transgender male. God does not make mistakes. One word God's never said. Oops. Okay? So we are created in the image of God. What is God? God is love, right? God loves all people. He doesn't love Bruce 
now more than he loved Bruce when I was disobedient. God's love is fixed. God's love is infinite. God's love is universal for every person. Now, his standard is perfection because he is holy. And so when he loves me, does he allow me to go to heaven even though I'm disobedient, even though I'm sinful? No, he does not. I have to be washed in the perfection of Jesus. I have to be cleansed by accepting Christ at the cross. But that option, that forgiveness is available to everyone. But he's leaving us here as committed believers to get involved, to stand against this kind of destructive thought being taught in our schools. I just laid out for you how many school districts these books are in because one woman was committed to doing something. Where are we on this? Where are we attending school board meetings? Where are we running for school board? Where are we pushing back, standing for truth against this kind of destructive behavior that is the creation of Satan, that is canceling the truth of Scripture? If you would say to me, well, how do you know that's truth, Bruce? Well, I believe the Bible, so if you don't believe the Bible, we're going to come at this from a totally different perspective. But I know this. In the book of John, chapter 8, the Jews said to Jesus, the Jews who were wanting to believe in him, asked him, you know, how do we know that what you say is truth? And he said, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. People love to quote the back half of that verse. Hey, the truth will set you free. Hey, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. I'm sure this woman believes in the truth that she has uh, furthered through the circulation of, what did she say, 9,000 books? Uh, her effort is being prospered. She's got a lot of people she's brought in to her um, endeavor, her agenda. She's making a difference. She's making a difference. And if we as Christians are going to sit on the sidelines and sit on our hands because we are afraid to engage in the culture and passionately articulate the truth of the gospel, the saving grace of God, why transgenderism, homosexuality, fornication, sex outside of marriage, pornography, cheating, lying, all those things are against the will of God for our life, if we are going to be afraid to engage with culture, we are going to be overrun by culture. The media right now does not reflect culture. It dictates culture. We have to engage in this battle. I don't mean to mix politics and religion and offend you, but I would not be truthful to you as a listener of this podcast. If you're a Democrat, if you're a liberal Democrat, if you're pro-abortion, pro-gay, whatever, I have to love you enough to tell you that God is laying on my heart that you are engaged in things that are anti-God. I understand that you believe they are loving. I understand that you believe they are 
furthering equality. I understand that. But I am telling you that I would be lying to you if I did not tell you that there is a better way out there. And that, as humans, everyone will be held accountable for one decision in their life, and that is, what did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with what he did for you at the cross? He gave you a gift card for eternal life. Are you going to use it, or are you going to ignore it? He died for you. He died so you can be forgiven. Now, you cannot claim that forgiveness and then not do what he says. You can't. That's part of the transaction, is to authenticate it by loving him enough for what he did for you to live the way he tells you to live. Why does he tell you to live that way? Not because he's trying to ruin your fun, not because he's trying to keep you from, well, I, I have a same-sex attraction, or I... That, <laughs> he is telling you how to live because he loves you and has a better way for you to live. Everything God does is out of his love. But is he a God of wrath? Yeah, he is. Is he a God of pristine holiness? Yes, he is. Those are his three dominant characteristics. They are all compatible, his love, his wrath, his holiness. You can attain the holiness required to have fellowship with him eternally by claiming what Jesus did for you. And his he did that for you because his love for you is infinite. But the other part of the triangle, holiness at the top, love over here, wrath over here, is that if you try to access his holiness and you are not willing to submit to his love in the way he tells you, I would be lying to you if I did not tell you the truth that you will experience his wrath. And so we have to engage with the culture. We are, we are here to do a job as disciples of Christ. And truth is not what you say it is. Truth is what God says it is. Submission, putting your mission under God's mission, is part of claiming the grace of Jesus. So Christians, we got to get to work. We got to get to work. This woman got to work. This woman is making a difference. This woman is taking our culture deeper into the abyss. Not because I think she's inherently evil, but she is gripped by evil. Satan has a hold of her, probably unbeknownst to her. I think she's acting out of uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think she's acting out of um, a desire to do good, but her mind has been twisted. You know, the Bible talks about the God of this age has blinded the eyes of unbelievers. Satan is the God of this age. The wisdom of man is foolishness to God. She's acting on the wisdom of man, but it's foolishness to God. We live in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, Paul says. He also says, stand against evil. Arm yourself with the truth. How do you know what truth is? If you hold to my teaching, Jesus said, then you will know the truth, 
and the truth will set you free. There's only one truth. There's no your truth, my truth. There's God's truth. So I've given you a lot to think about, and I really hope that this motivates you. If you are a committed believer in God's grace through Jesus at the cross, you can't sit on the sidelines anymore. You can't be afraid to be shouted down. You can't be afraid to take a stand because you're not doing anything to love other people if that's your response. Don't be silenced by the world that tells you when you speak truth, biblical truth, God's truth, that you are unloving because you are not. You are loving them enough to take a risk of your job, your popularity, your prestige, whatever it is. This is an individual decision between you and God as to what he is asking you to do. But I feel strongly that he is asking me to do this. He has given me this platform. He has given me a platform on radio. I am not going to waste that platform. And the reason I'm not going to waste that platform is because I can never repay God for his infinite love of me, his incredible patience toward me, making him wait on me almost 40 years and making him wait on me for periods of time after I came to understand the simplicity of the gospel around my 40th birthday. I cannot live with myself if I stay silent. And whatever happens to me for not staying silent, it is worth it because I will not betray my Savior. And I will not cheat you out of loving you enough to tell you that the relationship that I have with him is worth whatever I have to risk in this life to make you aware of what you're leaving on the table unclaimed if you don't submit your life to him and accept his ability to change you and use you. Thank you for listening today. Have a great day. I'll talk to you again on Wednesday.